the food isn't the problem. It's how you're using the food in response to something happening usually, which is the problem. So almost getting to the deeper cause of that, which is obviously not just an easy task for everyone because sometimes it requires facing bigger demons. But I think the more honest you can learn to be with yourself of why you're overeating, the easier it is to not use food in that way in the future. Hey, Mike Matthews here from Muscle for Life and Legion Athletics, and welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast. Now, if I sound a little bit funny, it's because I have been sick for a few days. I had a cold starting, I guess it started four days ago, and I felt eh, okay for the first two days. Wasn't too concerned about it, just skipped the gym, and then it hit me for one day hard. But I'm back and actually had a strangely good workout this morning. Uh, I thought it was going to be shit because it usually is after I'm sick, but this time I felt strong. I gained a rep on uh, two exercises, so I'll take it. Must have needed the rest. Anyway, let's get to today's episode, which is all about binge eating. Now, my years in the fitness racket have taught me many things about people, and one of them is that binge eating is far more common than I previously realized. In many cases, it's prompted by extreme forms of calorie restriction, like water fasting, detoxing, and the like. And in others, it is the result of bad eating habits developed on the way to becoming overweight. Binge eating is not just a problem for overweight people though. There are many fit people out there, usually ones who are trying to maintain very low levels of body fat for one reason or another, social media usually, who binge and purge rather regularly. Regardless though of how fit or fat someone is, binging is a problem. And even when it is done more strategically by drastically under eating for a period before or after a binge to keep body fat levels generally in an acceptable range, that approach can work well enough for maintaining a nice looking body composition, of course, but it is unsustainable and unhealthy, both physically and psychologically. It takes its toll, which often includes eating and body disorders. And all that is why I invited Carter Good to come on the show. Now, Carter has lost 140 pounds, and my Bigger, Leaner, Stronger program played a role in that, which is pretty cool. That's how I first met Carter. He reached out to me and shared his success story. And now Carter has a very large following of his own that he built mostly through sharing simple, effective science-based weight loss strategies. And he also now runs a successful fat loss coaching service. Now, one of the biggest obstacles that Carter ran into in his personal journey from just over 300 pounds to about 165 pounds was binge eating. And as you would expect, many of his clients come to him struggling with it as well. In this interview, Carter shares some of his most helpful observations, recommendations, and insights on how to beat binge eating once and for all. So in this episode, you are going to learn things like what binge eating actually is and how it differs from just overeating, how much binge eating actually slows fat loss, the most common factors that lead to binge eating, effective mental strategies for preventing it, 
what to do after a binge because we all fall off the wagon now and then in our own ways. And for some people, that means a binge. And that's okay. There are things you can do about that and more. This is where I would normally plug a sponsor to pay the bills, but I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in. So instead, I'm just going to quickly tell you about something of mine, specifically my 100% natural fat loss supplement, Phoenix. It has sold over 100,000 bottles in the last several years, and it helps you lose fat faster in three ways. One, it increases your metabolic rate. Two, it amplifies the power of fat-burning chemicals produced by your body. And three, it increases the feeling of fullness from food. In short, it speeds up your metabolism, it helps your body burn fat more efficiently, and it helps you control hunger and cravings and maintain high energy levels. Phoenix also contains no artificial food dyes, fillers, or other unnecessary junk. And all that is why it has over 700 reviews on Amazon with a four-star average and another 250 reviews on my website with a four-and-a-half-star average. So if you want to burn more fat every day and have an easier time sticking to your diet without having to pump yourself full of harsh stimulants or potentially harmful chemicals, then you want to head over to www.legionathletics.com and pick up a bottle of Phoenix today. And just to show how much I appreciate my podcast peeps, use the coupon code podcast at checkout and you will save 10% on your entire order. And lastly, you should also know that I have a very simple 100% money back guarantee that works like this. You either love my stuff or you get your money back, period. You don't have to return the products. You don't have to fill out forms. You don't have to jump through any other hoops or go through any other shenanigans. So you really can't lose here. Head over to www.legionathletics.com now, place your order and see for yourself why my supplements have thousands of rave reviews all over the internet. And if for whatever reason, they're just not for you, contact us and we will give you a full refund on the spot. All righty, that is enough shameless plugging for now at least let's get to the show carter welcome to uh my little podcast thanks for taking the time absolutely man thanks for having me on so today's topic is binge eating which is something i wrote about some time ago it's probably a couple years ago and that article i remember it doing well better than i that i anticipated i thought it was interesting to research and write i just didn't know one if i was going to be able to rank for it because you're going up against a lot of dot gov and edu and healthline and massive websites and two i, I just didn't know if it, how much of a thing it was uh, with the people in my orbit and in the fitness space in general. And I found out that it is quite, it is actually a, a thing, not just, of course, we know with, with the general population, but in the fitness, people that are into fitness, which seems a bit counterintuitive to, I guess, others who are on the outside looking in thinking like, oh, aren't you people all about like being super healthy and you some, some, Binge eating is a problem in that community. How does that make any sense? But I haven't spoken about this really at all. So this is the first time I th think that this topic is going to have uh, been discussed on the podcast. So it should be good. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, you know, like you said, it's funny how like, you know, whatever term you use, because obviously, and I'm sure we'll make the distinction between like, you know, binge eating that is, you know, medically classified as like a binge eating and then people who are just like overeating or, or struggling with it, right? It's kind of like a big blanket term that people use. But no, for sure. And it's really interesting what you said right there at the end about the fitness community or people who are into fitness, because it seems to be something that is like very popular and even like with the whole thing around, you know, cheat meals and, and just how like they're praised, 
in, in some ways, kind of, it's, it's almost like a hidden form or, or like a cloak or something over actually just like having this obsession with like needing to like pound food every once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we should probably just start with how are we defining binging? Because in the fitness community, it's probable that how... Uh, your average fitness person would define a binge isn't doesn't exactly line up with how a doctor would define it. Yeah, very much so. I would even say even in just like, you know, saying fitness community, but even just like a general population, like somebody who's like first getting into, you know, weight loss and stuff like I think there there's definitely a big separation between someone who has like a binge eating disorder, like an, an actual eating disorder, right? Like that would go along. And what with, is that? What does that look like? So I would say like probably the major difference and I'll say like I'm obviously not a, a doctor either, but you know, I, I think that the major difference is that usually whenever I think people are talking about binge eating in terms terms of they're trying to like lose weight and stuff or, or whatever it's usually involves something like going out to eat and then eating way over their calories and then maybe coming home or maybe like restricting the whole day and then coming home and then it's kind of like letting loose whereas i would say like the medical definition of binge eating just from what i perceive it as being is, is more so something where it is like this insatiable need to like consume ravenous amounts of calories. And, and we're talking like, not just like going over a couple thousand calories, like six, seven, 8,000 calories. And, and it's usually at that point followed by like, it's like a binging and purging cycle. Um, and it's usually much more focused on being hidden and, and being something deeply rooted in some type of like reaction to, to something bad that's happened in life. Right. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've come across, I'm trying to think, cause I've, I've now emailed, mostly emailed, I've also through social media, mostly communicated with people through email with, uh, I mean, my inbox is over a hundred thousand emails sent received. And I've come across, I guess, where what seems to be semi-common and it seems to be more so with women than men, just based on my experience where, You'll have people that are trying to lose weight and it's usually when they're cutting, it seems, but sometimes not. Sometimes it could just be, eh, it's mostly, mostly when they're trying to lose weight. And, and then it's where a little bit of overeating turns into like three days of egregious overeating. So we'll say that that that's, that's what we're going to be talking about because at least we can address that. I think if we are going further than that into what might be considered a true medical disorder where it's constant and compulsive and, and, and again, I've actually researched a bit about this and written a bit about it. I just don't think that, I don't know how much we can do for, for that person in one conversation, but that's, uh, yeah, I, I, what, what are your thoughts? No, I think that's exactly right. Because you're usually in that situation, you're dealing with something that's very specific to that person, right? Like their experiences in life. And I mean, that's why, you know, there are psychiatrists and stuff like that who, who would deal with an issue like that. But no, back to what you were saying, like it usually is, you know, binge eating. I normally just say overeating, right? Or excessive eating, um, just because I think it's, you know, more of a realistic term to use because it's just something that's in I think it's probably also better psychologically because binge eating sounds worse and that matters. If you're coming down on yourself, which a lot of people who have struggled to lose weight or who are struggling to lose weight or even are just new getting into this newly, how they frame their their thoughts matters in terms of the words that they use. So if, if, they, if somebody, you know, for you listening, if you tell yourself, mm, I ate too much last weekend or I ate, way, I ate way too much last weekend, that has a different connotation than, oh, I binged. Yes, absolutely. And I, and yeah. I would think, right? Because even that word carries eh, just more weight and uh, more negative weight than, you know, other ways that you could couch it. 
Oh, for sure. And that's actually like, that's the first thing that if I would be working with somebody with this or somebody would come to me and say, oh, I binged last night. The first thing I would say is like, first off, you didn't binge last night. Like you went over your calories, whatever happened. Like it wasn't a, you know, a full on binge loss of control. Like just because that framing is so very important for that. Because, you know, as we go, you know, obviously through tips or whatever and suggestions on how to you know stop it or limit it or whatever, a lot of it is based around mindset stuff. Like most of the struggles that come from dieting is not the actual diet itself. It's not the, you know, the things that you're doing or the foods that you're eating. It's more so like your mindset and, and not being able to stick to the plan, right? Um, obviously, the plan that you're following is going to have a big impact on how easy it is to stick to or adhere to. But usually, you know, the problem is with adherence. And, and that goes more to the mental side of things, which is what I think a lot of times overeating is really causing. Yeah, sure. It makes sense. What are some of the typical things what are some of the typical factors that precipitate a binge that that cause it yeah i would say probably the the biggest three that i see with the people i work with um, typically tend to be either one in all or nothing type of mindset where and this is you know the typical yo-yo dieter type of mindset where you know if they're not doing everything perfectly and they slip up a little bit, it's sort of like an F it, I'll just keep going because it's like on or off type of switch, right? Where yeah. guys will just keep on making it worse. That's usually the, the first thing that happens because it's in the yeah, moment. So, so psychologists call that the the what the hell effect. Like, yes, eh, what yeah. the hell? I've, I've, already, I've already blown it. I might as well just go all out. Yeah, that that's it. And then I would say another one is probably honestly over restriction. And, and that could be twofolded either in being over-restricting calories, right? Uh, or over-restricting even food choices, or, or at least your perception on how you're restricting those foods. But that's what I would say are probably, I guess those are three, um, even though the last two are kind of coupled together, but probably like over-restriction of either how many calories you're eating or the types of foods that you're eating. And then the mindset of sort of the perfect perfectionist mindset that people are trying to achieve when they are losing weight. And how do you generally help people who, because those are, those are very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've run across them a lot, again, just interacting with a lot of people. And how do you help people work through them? Yeah. So I would say the first thing that I do, I'm actually, I'm big, I'm a big fan of like awareness of like realities of overeating. So like, you know, you can go into the science of like, you know, 3,500 calories is a pound of fat and stuff. Like I always like to remind people that they they get so fixated on the one time that they go over their calories and and they blow it out of proportion mentally and saying that like, you know, this is this horrible thing that happened. I always like to kind of bring it back to reality and say, okay, well, let's look at this realistically. Let's say that you, they went over their calories by 2000 calories or whatever, right? Like, let's look at this realistically across the week. And then imagine if like tomorrow we got back on track, like how insignificant that would be really helping people focus on the idea of consistency over perfection in that way. I just noticed that if I can get somebody to do that once where they will have a moment where they will overeat or whatever it is, right? And and go over their calories and then get right back on track and they physically see that, you know, the scale comes back down, that their progress still, you know, moves forward. It's like a huge win because they actually see that taking that, that taking place instead of letting like the the mental fear of like, oh my gosh, I blew it that happening, um, take over. Cause if I can get somebody to do that once, usually it's something that even if in the future they overeat again on, on, on accident, like it's that thing where, okay, I've done this before. I know if I get back on track that I can be right back to where I was in a short amount of time. Yeah. Logically just deconstructing it makes sense. And what I've found, I've done the same thing many times. What I've found is that many people, they simply actually don't know that even that information that you just gave, they don't know approximately how much energy is in a pound of fat. And they don't know that, uh, it's not even that every 
excess calorie is stored as fat either. That's not how, that's not how it works. And especially if you're active and especially if you are consistently training your muscles and your body has other things to do with, with the excess calories that you eat, just simply understanding those things can diffuse a lot of the emotion that can be associated with it's, it's the mystery, right? It's like, okay, they know they, they overate and they just don't know now what's happening in their body. Did, did they just set themselves back a week? Was it two weeks? Did they just lose a whole month's worth of progress to somebody who's more informed? That concept might sound ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous if you just don't know. <laughs> and I understand because I remember when I first learned about energy balance and macronutrient balance, and I was first, I actually somebody, when I first, first I, w- I would say was introduced to it. I, did, I wasn't really even told much about how it works. There was a, a bodybuilder, powerlifter who I had met in a local Whole Foods like store when I was living in Florida, like a natural grocery store or f- kind of fancy gourmet grocery store, and got to know him. Nice guy. I was telling him he was prepping for a show at the time, and I asked him, "How are you getting so lean?" And and he just and he said, "Oh, you know, you just here. What do you, what do, what do you weigh?" here, eat this much protein and carbs and fats every day and you'll see. And he might've explained a little bit more, but I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll try it. And that, that was actually the first time it took a bit, obviously. Um, but the first time I got really lean. So he would tell me, yeah, go out and have one meal a week. Um, you know, just go out and have a nice dinner, eat whatever you want, really try not to go crazy, but don't really worry about it. And so I remember at that time, like I went and got sushi I was texting him after, like, this is what I ate. Does that make sense for for my quote unquote cheat meal or free meal or normal, whatever you want? Or is that a problem that I had, you know, a few spicy tuna rolls and some moji? And he would just laugh. He'd be like, dude, it doesn't matter. You know, I, in time, when I when I started, when I saw it work, that's what really got my attention. I was like, okay, I actually need, I need to actually educate myself then. Why is this working? What's going on now? Fast forward, and I obviously know a lot more. And so the idea though, that oh, I went to a restaurant and ate what really felt like a lot of food, even though in my case, that sushi example didn't really feel like that much food. But we've all done that. You go to a restaurant, you're like, damn, I ate a lot of food. And if you don't know anything in terms of the mechanics of what's going on, uh, it is. I can understand feeling anxiety about uh, who knows, you know, because of also a lot of the misinformation out there. Let's say you eat a bunch of, you went to like a, an Italian place, you ate a bunch of pasta, and then you ate a bunch of tiramisu. So it's like all carbs, all sugar, and you throw some fat in there as well. And all you hear is that all of that is equals fat. You're just going to get fatter. Every, every gram of carb, every gram of sugar. And so you walk away from that going, fuck, I've been, I've been doing this calorie restriction thing and it's not too bad, but it's kind of annoying. It's not how I like to eat. I've been doing this for six weeks now and I go and have one dinner and now I restart, even though that's not you know, not possible. I can understand that. No, for sure. And it goes back to the whole thing. People, I always like say this, like people overestimate what's possible from like one event of doing things or doing something, whether it's good or bad. Well, that way I say it is people overestimate what's, or I guess like no one ever got fat from eating, you know, one pizza slice and no one ever got skinny from eating one salad. They overestimate that one event, but they underestimate the the power of, you know, consistently doing something over time. And the reason, you know, why people struggle with weight in the first place is because they're consistently eating too much. Maybe not on one day or two days a week, but over time, they're consistently obviously eating more than their body needs. It's the same thing with like weight loss, right? So that that's where I really think the disconnect is uh, with that is people just overestimate the damage that one meal can do 
And then they let that one meal turn into a whole week or, you know, two whole weeks of sort of going on and off and on and off where then it can actually potentially become something where they are, you know, doing it so frequently that it can start to reverse their progress or, you know, significantly slow them down. Yeah. And just to be clear, you can do a bit, a little bit of damage in, in one meal. It's, it's probably hard. You know, I, I wrote, well, I, no, I didn't I have a, an, an editor. He's, his name's army. He's like my editor in chief. He writes with me. We do a lot of the content planning together. So that article is written by him published under his name, but it's at Legion. And it's something along the lines of like, how much fat can you really gain in, uh, when you overeat? And there's no pat answer that we can find in the scientific literature, but there, there is definitely a limit to the amount of fat that your body can synthesize and create in a day. And, you know, maybe it's around a pound or a pound and a half if you were just to be eating all day. And in some people, it, it's going to be less depending on, you know, genetics and activity level and stuff. But in, in one meal, I've experienced this. So not, a couple Thanksgivings ago, uh, what I would do every year is I would eat until I stopped because it just got annoying, but I would eat until I was in pain. Like, until my stomach, I had to just lie down just, just for fun, really. Until, until I was like, this hurts too much. This is not fun anymore. I'm going to stop. I need to stop, you know, well before this point. But even then doing that, I would notice basically no difference because there's a point where, and, and you know this, I'm just saying to people listening that your, your body stops absorbing nutrients and just shits them out. You're giving your body so many calories and, and, and so many macronutrients, so many nutrients that it can't even absorb them anymore. And they just pass right through you as if they were fiber unabsorbed. So yes, I ate, let's say 8,000 calories in one meal. Legitimately. I, I remember the last time I did it, I ate seven, seven plates of food. Uh, was that all just Thanksgiving food or are you throwing some dessert in there too? Oh, dessert like, as well. Yeah. Okay. I was about to say that would be, I'd be like palate fatigue, even on Thanksgiving food, if it wasn't like dessert stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was dessert stuff too, but it was seven plates. And, you know, my body probably was able to process like half of that and the rest just came right through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right, yeah. so, you know, to put a number on it, it, I think it's reasonable to say that if you really went to town and maybe if you threw some alcohol in, you could gain a pound, maybe give or take some in a, in a day of, of excessive overeating. Yeah, no, for sure. Right. And and that's the thing. It's like, in- and that's a pound of fat. Actually, I have to, we have to clarify that because you may weigh a lot more the next day because of all the sodium and the water and the, and the, the carbs, which, which are going to fill you up with glycogen. Right. So you might, you might come in six pounds heavier the next day, but that's not six pounds of fat. Exactly. And that's what you just said. Like, that's another thing that usually when somebody is like stressed about the fact that they overate, it's usually because the next day they weigh themselves and they're up four to five pounds. And in their mind, they're thinking, holy crap, I just undid, you know, weeks and weeks of, of being there, which kind of goes back to why I really, once I can get somebody to like, get rid of that mindset for a second and just like get back on track and they see that their water will drop like their water weight drops like four to five pounds after you know being on track for like a week it's like that clicking moment in their head but you know obviously it's very emotional in that moment because like you've been on point and you've been perfect and then that happens and it's stressful because you're like well crap why the heck you know, did I do that? And then you turn to the gill and then you start that cycle over and over again, if you're not going into it with the, with the right knowledge and, and mindset, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. 
Hey, if you like what I am doing here on the podcast and elsewhere, and if you want to help me help more people get into the best shape of their lives, please do consider supporting my sports nutrition company, Legion Athletics, which produces 100% natural, evidence-based health and fitness supplements, including protein powders and bars, pre-workout and post-workout supplements, fat burners, multivitamins, joint support, and more. Every ingredient and every dose in every product is backed by peer-reviewed scientific research. Every formulation is 100% transparent. There are no proprietary blends and everything is naturally sweetened and flavored. To check everything out, just head over to legionathletics.com. And just to show how much I appreciate my podcast peeps, use the coupon code MFL at checkout and you will save 20% on your entire order if it is your first purchase with us. And if it is not your first purchase, Purchase with us, you will get double reward points on your entire order. That's essentially 10% cash back in rewards points. So again, the URL is legionathletics.com. And if you appreciate my work and want to see more of it, please do consider supporting me so I can keep doing what I love, like producing podcasts like this. So let's get into some strategies and and some tips for preventing excessive overeating, binging, whatever you want to call it. Because ideally, when we are cutting, at least, we wouldn't really overeat at all, really. I mean, that's the perfect ideal to, to strive for. Maybe we never get there, and that's fine. I think that perfectionism in that sense is okay if you realize that you're never going to get there. And and, that, and that, that that's a different discussion, but I think that's a good and for me, at least, it's a uh, just a, a viewpoint I have in my work, for example. Um, there's a perfect ideal that I strive for in terms of my writing ability. I don't think I'll ever get there in my lifetime, but I'm a, the fact that I know that makes it okay. And, and, and I'm still striving toward, I think, I think there's, it's even a Buddhist concept, actually. Anyways, you're, there, I'm striving toward something that I know I, never, I will never achieve, but I'm okay with that. And I still uh, feel motivated to, to try to get as close to it as possible. So if we, if we kind of take the, the ideal, the perfect ideal of a, of a cut is n- never, never overeating once. And it's, the point is not, uh, it's, that's not a pass fail test. That's just going, okay, that, that, that would be perfection. How do we get as close to that as possible? Outside of planned diet breaks or, or quote unquote cheat meals, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have that. Sure. Any, any diet regimen that makes, that is going to work halfway decently for the average person needs to have some of that worked in. Um, but assuming, assuming outside of whatever it is that you've planned. Yes, exactly. Right. And I think that the degree to which you are dieting makes sense too. Cause a lot of the people I work with who tend to be more general population, right? Like people who aren't trying to, you know, a lot of times I work with somebody who are, are very new to even weightlifting or even understanding calories and macronutrients and stuff like that. Like someone in that situation who has a lot of fat to lose the necessity necessarily of like having constant refeeds may not be as high in terms of like practically getting results. Um, Cause usually in that situation, the refeed or whatever it is, is more based around their lifestyle. It's actually why 
I'm like working with somebody, I would never say, let's have a cheat meal. Um, and I don't even like to use the word refeed meal, really, um, for them, mostly just from like a mental standpoint. I like to just call it like lifestyle meals, because every once in a while, you're going to be going out to eat, and you're going to want to just have a meal with your family or your friends and not have to worry about it as much. And I like for people to more so use them in those situations, because most people who are just like living normal lives, you know, every day, I mean, even you and I are going to have most of the time we're going to have like one to two meals when we're going out during the week or or one, two meals where we do go out and and eat a meal. And so saving it for that, as opposed to like having a set day, every Sunday I have my cheat meal. So it works well for some people, for some people, I think it can like stress them out so much that they just don't have any type of control or anything for it. And so um, the first thing that I always do with people is know that when they are doing this, it's not necessarily, they don't have to do it in most situations, but if you do have these like moments when you are going out to eat, know that you can use this as a way to relieve stress or to not have to worry as much about being perfect in that moment. If it's, you know, I kind of set parameters around it, like once every, you know, like seven to 14 days, you can have a, a meal where it's or a day where you go over your calories by a certain amount, right? Whatever the situation is. Um, just like that framing, I think is, is really the first step to, I think, really having a, a healthier relationship with moments when you do kind of go off your diet plan. I agree. I agree. And so what about, let's talk about some of the things that you can do though, to prevent it from like, for example, something that I know helps people is not having, let's say they're going to, they're going to be dieting for some period of time, not having the foods, whatever their quote unquote trigger foods are the foods that like a, a guy that works with me, he loves chips. And when he's cutting, he just doesn't have chips in his house or in his, in his, you know, condo, because he just knows himself. He knows that if they're around, he's probably going to eat them and he's probably not just going to have a chip or two here and there. It's probably going to turn into the whole bag, even if it's over the course of an entire day. And sure, he knows that he can adjust to, to make up for that, but that means that his diet just gets whacked because chips, it'd be like maybe a thousand calories in chips and maybe he's cutting on 2000, 2100 calories. That's pretty shitty. Uh, especially if you if you ate that in an hour and and now you have the rest of the day uh, where where you're just like eat your your calories out for the rest of the day so you don't starve. Um, that's something I know that can help people. Or waiting if they feel the urge to eat, drinking some water and waiting ten minutes or so. Little things like that. That uh, are, are there any are there any specific tips that you found that help like that? Yeah. So kind of going into that one about like the out of sight, out of mind type of thing with foods, you know, especially, you know, while you're trying to diet, just because, you know, hunger levels are going to be naturally a bit higher and the temptations obviously are going to keep increasing, increasing over time. But with that, even I I noticed that some people do really well with the, you know, out of sight, out of mind thing, like leaving those foods out. But I also think it can be very helpful to, um, if you are, you know, following an approach where you're tracking your nutrition and you are um, taking a bit more of a flexible approach, obviously, of not like eliminating like, specific foods, so I guess is, is a tip in and of itself is to not eliminate food groups, which maybe we can get into. But just for, for that example, like having a food that is will satisfy a, a craving, but isn't as, I guess, enjoyable, I guess, in a sense, um, as the uh, as the food you struggle with. So, so for example, for me, like I struggle when Oreos are in the house, even to this day, not that I just like eat the whole box all the time. But like, I'm gonna if Oreos are in my living area, I'm gonna eat them, right? They're, it's just a matter of time. But for me, I also enjoy like dark chocolate, but like not enough to where like, I don't sit down and feel the need to like, eat two big dark chocolate bars in a row. Like it's normally at that point, it's just like not necessarily something I want. Whereas I could sit down and eat like one to two 
sleeves of Oreos if I was just like really, you know, feeling it or whatever. Um, but the dark chocolate though still kind of gives me that sweet satisfaction that sometimes I'm, I'm looking for in the evening or whatever. Uh, and so, so like with chips even, you know, I, I've had people who will maybe have a issue with like Doritos or something and then we'll switch to, and it's funny, even, it could, you know, it might be something like some people might say like kale chips or whatever, but I've even noticed like even making a switch to a, a different brand that might be like lighter, like pop chips even, um, even though it's like still a chip or whatever, like it just doesn't have the same type of like reward response. And, you know, it might take some experimenting or whatever, but just finding something that's comparable, like in terms of still satisfying your craving, but you don't like lose control around it, like for whatever reason. I've noticed that that's worked really well because then you don't feel that over restriction, which can sometimes, you know, be enough motivation to be like, well, you know, shit, the Oreos aren't in the house, but I'm going to go drive and I'm going to find them because I've wanted Oreos for the past four weeks and I've not had anything to satisfy that craving. So now I'm going to do it, right? As opposed to if you did have something that kind of was still allowing you to enjoy that sweets at night, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. My, my buddy, the same guy, that's what he does. He does pop chips. So I guess chips and ice cream, he likes to have them, I think together, which sounds kind of gross to me, but, um, so he'll do pop chips and, and a light ice cream is like his treat, you know, one of the, like a halo topper enlightened or something like that. And it, so it gives him a, a semblance of the experience, but not, it's not delicious enough. The foods are not engineered enough to really drive him over the top. Whereas, I mean, take Doritos, who knows how many, it's it's at least tens of millions of dollars and possibly more uh, has gone into over the years perfecting the Dorito. And I had a guy I interviewed on my podcast, the Michael Moss um, interviewed him, I don't know, maybe a year ago. He wrote a book called Sugar Salt Fat, I believe. It's all about. Yeah, I think I listened to this yeah. podcast. That's where I first heard about that whole thing with like Doritos and like yeah, the bliss point, right? And how much work these big food companies and they have so many millions of dollars to spend on on just R and D. And so, what is that R and D? It's how to make foods more palatable. How to the, they call it this? They want to reach the reach the perfect bliss point, which is yeah. where you you get the maximum reward. And this is really what we're talking about is, is a neurochemical response to the food that you eat to, to make you want to continue eating, which is on the face of it sounds, sounds pretty shitty actually as a, as a thing, pretty unethical, but that's, I guess that's a different, a different discussion with something like pop chips though. Not, they, they just don't have, for example, the fat. That's one of the critical components. If you reduce the fat, you're going to reduce the palatability. Uh, so it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars they may or may not spend. They will never reach a pop chip will never reach unless they find some crazy chemicals or who knows some, some voodoo, but with where food science is right now, they, they just wouldn't be able to reach the uh, deliciousness of a Dorito. No, for sure. And, and this is actually, I think also another big one. Cause like, I think earlier I, I talked about like how, like knowing, understanding like how one meal isn't going to necessarily like be catastrophic to your results. I think being aware of the fact, like sometimes people feel like they're slaves to their cravings and feel like they're bad because they have cravings. This is, I actually just had someone send me an email saying like, how do I stop craving foods? And my response was like, there's, it's not un- or unnormal to not crave foods. Like everybody craves certain foods. And it's, and as soon as you kind of think about it logically or scientifically, like, you know, biologically, why do I crave these foods? Cause they're like high in carbs and fats and they're palatable and they're salty and have all that. Even just the awareness of knowing that it's very normal to have cravings around certain types of foods kind of puts power back into your hands. Like you don't feel as out of control because, Oh, this is just a normal response. Just like when you have to go to the bathroom, can't just say, Nope, I'm not going to go. Like eventually you have to go. Right. It's just one of these things that 
if you acknowledge it and say, okay, this is just normal, a normal biological response, but I can, I also have, you know, my frontal cortex and I can think ahead of this. I don't have to live in this moment and, and succumb to the desire to eat right now. I can you know, push it forward knowing that my long-term goals are more important to me. I think that can be a huge win too. Just, it, it really does give you the control when you realize that there's nothing wrong with the craving and it's normal, but you still are you know, responsible for not letting it, you know, lead to excessive overeating all the time. Totally. It's getting, getting to the end is, is more important than how you get there in many ways, especially if we're just talking about losing weight. So long as you observe a few rules, like, you know, don't, don't go crazy with your calorie restriction. Don't eat way too little protein and don't do unconscionable amount of amounts of cardio and ideally do, do something for your muscles, whatever it is. If you just kind of loosely follow those guidelines the rest is negotiable and doesn't really matter so long as you get to where you want to be in the end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's as long as it's not like, you know, it takes discipline and some restriction to achieve fitness goals, but like, you know, it's going to take time regardless. And the more intense you're going to be, or the more restrictive you're going to be, the more you're going to kind of struggle with those things. So I'm, you know, I think that you and I both agree, like a a more balanced approach or a more moderate approach is always going to be um, the better approach when you're looking at long-term results and sustainability. Absolutely. So let's say it has happened though, uh, a binge, a, a period of, of excessive eating, whether it's one day, two days, maybe it's even a few days. How do you help people work through the fallout? Some people, they don't have it and they go, eh, they just shrug it off and they go, yeah, big deal, whatever. Um, but that I think in my experience, that comes usually with more veteran fitness peoples, you know, people, people who have gotten very lean before, and and they've also gained a fair amount of weight before, and they've done it multiple times and they, they know the process and it's just not a big deal. Those people are not concerned, but a lot of people who, like I said earlier, who maybe this is, uh, they've struggled with losing weight for a while, or this is really their first go at it. What kind of advice do you have for when they do overeat uh, and it's an it's an unplanned bout of overeating. And I think the first place to start, I'll just throw it out there is, it's okay, it's going to happen. It's fine. It's going to happen. The only, the only reason why I think there even should be a, a, a cause for concern is if it is happening very often. So I'll start there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's yeah the first thing, right? And it's easy to say that. And, and honestly, sometimes people just need to hear that it's okay, even though they know it is, right? They just need it reaffirmed by somebody else. Um, so that's you know always the first thing is reminding them, hey, it's one time. It's not that big of a deal. And if it really is just one time, you know, it isn't a big deal. Practically, what I like to do, or what I've seen work really well, is you know, the first thing is if it's somebody who's you know still sort of in that uh, emotional attachment to, to eating and, and dieting and, and getting through that you know not weighing in for a few days I, I think that helps even though i will tell them like listen you know the weight doesn't matter sometimes just not worrying about that part for a few days can really be helpful with just focusing on getting back on track and kind of keeping yourself in like a, a more positive mindset another thing that i really like for people to do is is after having a m- meal or whatever where they go over is trying to like do the best they can to plan out their eating for the next few days. And I I like for people to do this thing where they do daily meal planning. So like the night before they'll plan their next day meals. And then at that end of that night, they'll plan their next day meals. So it's this thing where they're not like saying on Thursday, I have to eat this, 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 and this. And it's like Monday, right? And stuff might happen between Monday and Thursday. Um, But just going into each day with with like a solid plan of what you're going to do and can really help with just getting back on track. And then by that point, if they can get through like three to four or five days of just like being back on point, 
whenever they start weighing again, they see that their weight's normalized, kind of going back to what I said right at the beginning of the podcast where they're like, oh, wow, okay, I really didn't do as much, you know, quote unquote damage as I thought I was going to do. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Anything else that uh, you've used with, with clients to help them get over maybe some of the guilt? Sometimes people get pretty hard on themselves. Like, like the, it's because they're weak and, you know, they always fail and just that kind of stuff. Yeah. I always try to push it back on like in that situation. And obviously, you know, one of the reasons I like working with people one-on-one is because you can actually talk to them about things in, in terms of like, if, if they have like a specific issue, like talking them through that. Um, cause you know, like we talked about a lot of overeating is psychological in a sense. So figuring out, okay, why did you overeat? Like, why has this become a problem? And, and even just like vocalizing those things or writing them out in an email or whatever can make it a lot easier to look at it objectively to start to, you know, fix that problem. Right. Because it's not the food isn't the problem. It's how you're using the food in response to something happening usually, which is the problem. So almost getting to the deeper cause of that, which is obviously not just an easy task for everyone because sometimes it requires facing bigger demons. But, you know, I think the more honest you can learn to be with yourself of why you're overeating, the easier it is to not use food in that way in the future. So something I might do with a client is, you know, after a night of doing that, like, and we're back on track, maybe even talking about, okay, like, what was the plan that day? Like, what do you feel like happened that led to the overeating and and whatever it is, whether it's like, I got in an argument, I got stressed. I'm like, okay, well in the future, like what are some things that maybe we can do in that situation besides eating, right? Or, or things that when that happens to help prevent yourself from you know, turning to food in that moment. And something might be like waiting 15 to 20 minutes, right? Um, or going, getting out of the house and doing something, right? Like small things. And, and what works for one person isn't going to work for somebody else, which is why it's important to kind of experiment with yourself on those things. But I think that like going into it, recognizing that you know, there's a reason why you overrate in the first place and addressing that rather than, you know, always thinking about like, how can I prevent myself from overeating? Thinking about why are you overeating in the first place so that it doesn't even become really an issue anymore or an option that is you know, always happening. Yeah, that's a good point. And the stress point in particular is probably the most common one, right? It's probably the most common trigger uh, for overeating. Any anything that any particular things that come to mind that you've found have been generally workable for people, just other outlets, because obviously emo- emotional eating is a very common outlet for just releasing stress, just, just feeling better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, honestly, like I've noticed that people do really well with, and and I think it also sometimes can be like men and women tend to like sort of respond differently. Like I've noticed that a lot of my women clients, they do really well whenever in those situations, they are reaching out to someone like calling a friend or, you know, just talking with like the people in their house, right? Like, like just being in a social situation. I noticed that guys, um, a lot of the guys I work with, whenever they're like stressed out like that do really well whenever they do something physical in in response to like let out aggression. Um, whether it's, you know, normally I'm not like a big cardio guy, like you have to go out and do cardio all the time. But I do notice that some people, you know, they just do have less stress when they go out and they do some form of cardio. I think it's something to do with like, you know, obviously there's like a physical thing that might be happening, but more so just like being able to focus that like aggression or whatever on something else can be really useful. But I think it really just comes down to finding an activity that can distract you that is something positive. So, you know, it might be hanging out with friends. It might be you know, doing some type of activity or it might be uh, like reading or you know, even playing a video game or like watching a movie or something. Uh, I think that anything that will like 
get you out of that moment of feeling like you have to relieve it. Like relieving stress in another way in that sense is what tends to work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can second that. I, I've thought about it myself because I'm not an emotional eater. I'm just not that kind of person. When I'm cutting for long periods, maybe I overeat a little bit here and there, but nothing. It's just, it's not, not exactly been, been an area of uh, struggle for me. So I'm trying to think that with, with, with stress in my life, how do I cope with it? Cause I don't have, I don't have the obvious coping kind of type of mechanisms that you, you know, where it's, whether it be overeating or drug use is probably another common coping mechanism that would include alcohol. I think I, j- I just kind of turn into a dickhead. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know if that, <laughs> is that my outlet? I just, I kind, know, yeah, just yeah, kind of hey. turn into a dick. <laughs> I mean, Hey, if, if it works, you know, I don't know. It depends on, I guess what your goal is at the moment, <laughs> but, um, um, it's not, it's not even, but, it's, I mean, I guess I, that's, that's probably, that's probably, uh, there's probably nothing I can ever do about that. Right. That's, that's probably <laughs> the appropriate emotional response. If, uh, there's a bunch of a bunch of annoying shit that is raising stress levels, but uh, who knows? Maybe, <laughs> exactly. maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I would uh, maybe it would benefit me to have some sort of reliable outlet. I mean, for me, I like to read. I guess there are a few activities that I can go to that I just enjoy and that that calm me down. So maybe maybe that's it. But I think there's also and this is kind of another conversation though, and I've written about this and probably spoken about it a bit as well. In that I think, well, I mean, there's research that that backs us up and I've experienced it myself that stress isn't, there's a lot to be said that there's, there is a subjective element to it. A lot of it is, is what you make of it. And so if, um, and this has been shown, I think it was research that came out of Stanford, I believe, where you had students that believe, I think they had, they had exams coming up and students who believed that it was stressful were, much more stressed about it and who perceived it as an, as a, as stress as the thing is, as, as the exams, as a negative stressful event, they did worse on their exams and they did worse in preparation. Whereas students who saw it more positively is that it, it's a challenge and they're, they're going to, they're working on it. They'll, they'll be okay. Felt a lot less stressed about it. And so I think there's something to be, I, I don't know. And this is something maybe I've always just been good at and I don't, if, if that's the case, then I don't really know why, but I am definitely the person to, I rarely ever have the thought. It'd be hard for me to find the last time when I sat down and even said to myself, like, oh, I'm so stressed or I have so much stress. I, I just don't, I don't really look at challenges in my life that way. Even if they're annoying bullshit, quote unquote, challenges, stupid obstacles, stupid shit I have to deal with that is maybe really just would feel like a waste of time. I always am trying to reframe it positively in that there, maybe there's a lesson I can learn out of this, or maybe if I reflect on this, I can, I can see, well, what led me here? Maybe I can avoid situations like this in the future. And then there's also something to be said for, you know, who knows, maybe the situation that I'm going through right now is uh, is going to work out very positively in a way that if I wouldn't be in this position now, I wouldn't even get to that next, you know, higher plateau. No, for sure. It goes, I always say like, you know, there's not wins and losses. There's like wins and lessons. And uh, if you approach those situations where like, yeah, they can like negatives, like overeating, they can suck in the moment, but you can look at those. That's kind of why I think it's so important to 
really analyze why you did it in the first place. Because if you can learn, you know, what are the the things that happen in your life that lead to this, you can, you know, be better able to equip yourself with different tools or strategies to combat it, right? Um, And be ready for it to happen, especially if it's something that's reoccurring. And and I actually forgot to mention this earlier, not to go like too far off track, but like whenever I was talking about like planning your meals in response to like overeating, like a lot of times people, I I think when they're dealing with stress, it's it's a lot of times it's reoccurring stress or, or they're having those urges in similar times each day. Usually it's like after work or whatever it is. And I think that if you are aware of that, like if you can be honestly, okay, I know that at this time of the day is when I tend to struggle the most. And, you know, maybe a good idea would be to plan for that moment by if you know that you, know, you start craving chocolate at 9 p.m. every single night, you know, after work and then, then like the kids are screaming or whatever. And like that's, you know, you tend to, that's be when you, you tend to struggle most. Like planning in, okay, I'm going to let myself have this amount of chocolate or whatever. And it fits into my day and like I've structured it all right. I think that can be like a huge win because you kind of get the chocolate, you get that release, but then you also kind of get to stay on track with it too. But but no, yeah, I, I totally agree though. It's it's similar. Like, you know, stress is very subjective, I think. And I think it just depends on the person. But usually I think, you know, people are just responding to something that's happening a lot in their life and being able to be responsible, I guess, with how you cope with it is going to be a big win. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a good tip too of uh, just reflecting on what because most of us are our days are are mostly the same probably um, at least from a you know in terms of the types of things we're going to be doing at certain times and and looking at how does that impact how do your days impact you I guess we're really talking emotionally. And if there are emotional low points that in some cases, maybe you can't avoid. And that is the reality. Sometimes, you know, the, we, we've all been there, there where we go, yeah, I'd rather not have to experience that at uh, 3 p.m. But I got to go to that meeting with this dickhead, you know, boss. And that's just the way it is. And he's going to be passive aggressive and he's a da, 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 whatever. But you can think ahead on that. And, and instead of turning to, to the food, you can figure out something else. And, you know, something else I'll just throw out there is I also with when it comes to quote unquote stressful situations, if nothing else, I look at them as opportunities to get stronger as a person. And, you know, that, and I think the, you say the, our emotional strength or our spiritual strength, however you want to look at it in many ways, trumps our physical strength and you know that's david goggins whole thing right that when you when you think physically that you can't go on you can't go any further you, you you're like 40 percent uh, of where what you could do if you had the will and the hardships the the obstacles the problems that we have to deal with in life are opportunities to strengthen our will and that matters i i know that it's becoming more and more trendy to be weak, really, as a person. Um, and that, that manifests in many ways. And, and, and not only is it becoming more popular to just be weak, to be a victim, and then, and then it's becoming more and more unpopular. And it's becoming, I'd say, actually, it's more to the point of demonization, where the idea, just, just the concept of being strong as an individual, strong-willed, you could say strong of mind, even strong of body is, is being attacked. And that's more of a cultural thing. But I think that that is actually pathological. I mean, I think that that goes down to even the root of 
if, if you go too far in that direction, one day we will just be extinct. You go too far, and it, you know whether you like it or not. Civilization was built by strong people. You know, people say America is a, is a nation of immigrants. No, it's not. America is a nation of settlers. It's a it's a it's a it's a nation of pioneers of people who left what was comfortable and left civilization for all intents and purposes and came to a, a very inhospitable place where the the risk of dying in many different ways was very high and the guarantee there were no guarantees in terms of survival in in any sense there were you you might just starve to death uh you might get mauled by a bear you might there's there are so many things that could go wrong and you know so the people that that created the really really the west this this even goes earlier than than america were strong people they were tough people period and if we if we think that uh, that now technology has allowed us to transcend the need for resilience i think that's very naive and that's i know i'm, I'm kind of ranting now totally different <laughs> but no no it, it's but it makes it it makes sense right because it kind of goes back to understanding like the you're a biological creature and like life can be hard right and, and it's not just like sunshine and rainbows all the way through and and you know is even in a complex topic like you're talking about right of survival of life and death but then even in a more minute topic of like you know, hunger and self-control like you know those things they all are, are important to understand and you know it's, it's really just comes i think it does come down to like taking ownership and knowing what you want and being willing to you know fight through the good and the bad of achieving what that is Right. And, you know, I think that uh, life is probably meant to be hard. That's probably, that's probably like into, it, it's just hardwired. It's coded into the operating system and complaining about it doesn't do anything. And I don't know if I'd go as far as saying that life is suffering, but we are all going to suffer. And so we better just be ready for that. And I would think I personally, I think, and this is something Stephen Pressfield uh, said that has always kind of stuck with me. I think he is in one of his books. I don't know if it was in The War of Art, but the, the number one attribute that he ascribes his success to is just his ability to suffer, his ability to just sit down every day and keep going, no matter how bad he feels about his work or no matter how much, how much stress he has or how many other things he has in mind, just suffer, just sit down and do it. And there's a lot to be said for that. No, no, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> and and, to, and even in the case of dieting, for some people, it's easy. For some people, it's not. Uh, for And so that means that the suffering is, is maybe low for the people that have no problems and it just is smooth and the suffering is higher for the people who have issues. But if the people who have those issues can just suffer through it, you know, when push comes to shove in other ways in life, I would put my money on those people, people who have, ne who have all, let's just take dieting, right? So they've never experienced any, some, maybe, maybe I would be one of those people who I can't say I ever really suffered that much uh, when it comes to food and eating. But what if I was in a situation all of a sudden where it was hard for whatever reason, and I've never experienced that before. I mean, that, that is, I might find that it is a lot harder than I could even deal with. Whereas somebody who has gone through it, they've made it through, they have confidence in themselves. They are, again, I'd put my money on a person like that to 
even in other areas of life, because I think that to do anything, it's going to require a lot of effort. Things are going to go wrong and you are going to be disappointed. There are going to be letdowns and you got to keep going despite the pain. So, you know, yeah, dieting, if, if it's, if it's, if it's very painful for anybody listening, who knows, maybe you, uh, if by just going through it, you, you very well are probably strengthening yourself in a more global way than, uh, than just, just losing some weight that is going to benefit you in other areas of your life. No, that's, and it's, that's funny that you bring that up right there at the end, because it's something that I, I usually bring up later on when working with somebody. But one of the reasons why I love fitness in general is because especially in today's world, like it's one of the last things that we have that is like this physically stressful thing that we can create, right? I mean, the fact that we have to create stress by walking into a gym and, and doing that and, you know, controlling our nutrition or whatever it is, like it's, you know, there's not a lot of that anymore because of all the convenience that we have. And what you said right there at the end, I think that if you take control of your health and fitness, because the thing is, is a lot of stuff in life is sometimes stuff that happens outside of your control and how you respond matters. But the one thing like you always have control over you know, the food choices that you're making and your decision to exercise in whatever capacity. And I truly believe that when you decide to make it your goal to maximize that or to make that a priority in your life, and you do succeed in doing that, it absolutely translates to everything else in life. And I can even say that about myself, like how I lost, you know, a ton of weight. And through doing that, I, that's, I think why I was able to, whether it's starting my own business or doing other things, I credit it back to the fact that, you know, when you see the results of what hard work can really do and disciplined hard work and staying consistent, like, it's you, you almost get addicted to that and, and you want to do that in other areas of your life because you want what's best at the end. So absolutely. I think that's a, uh, a great note to end on. So to wrap up, let's just uh, let everybody know where they can find you, find your work. And if you want to talk about your coaching service or any, any products and services that you want people to know about now's your chance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's super simple. It's just uh, Carter Good everywhere. So Instagram is, is kind of my bigger one. So Instagram.com slash Carter Good or on the app, obviously, to search my name. My website's CarterGood.com. Um, and if people are interested, I actually do have a, a free like 14 day, like a like an email fat loss course. It's just if you go to fatlossforevercourse.com. It's just like a like a free daily email course I created that sort of just goes over, you know, all the big topics about fat loss dieting and exercise and everything like that. But in terms of social media, definitely Instagram and, and my website will we'll kind of point you to all the rest of them. So perfect. Thanks, Carter. Appreciate you taking the time. This was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hey there, it is Mike again. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it interesting and helpful. And if you did and don't mind doing me a favor and want to help me make this the most popular health and fitness podcast on the internet, then please leave a quick review of it on iTunes or wherever you're listening from. This not only convinces people that they should check the show out, it also increases its search visibility and thus helps more people find their way to me and learn how to build their best bodies ever too. And of course, if you want to be notified when the next episode goes live, then just subscribe to the podcast and you won't miss out on any of the new goodies. Lastly, if you didn't like something about the show, then definitely shoot me an email at mike at muscleforlife.com and share your thoughts on how you think it could be better. I read everything myself and I'm always looking for constructive feedback, so please do reach out. All right, that's it. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I hope to hear from you soon. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by me. 
<laughs> Seriously though, I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in. So instead, I'm going to just quickly tell you about something of mine. Specifically, my 100% natural fat loss supplement, Phoenix. It has sold over 100,000 bottles in the last several years, and it helps you lose fat faster in three ways. One, it increases your metabolic rate. Two, it amplifies the power of fat-burning chemicals produced by your body. And three, it increases the feeling of fullness from food. In short, it speeds up your metabolism, it helps your body burn fat more efficiently, and it helps you control hunger and cravings and maintain high energy levels. Phoenix also contains no artificial food dyes, fillers, or other unnecessary junk. And all that is why it has over 700 reviews on Amazon with a four star average and another 250 reviews on my website with a four and a half star average. So if you want to burn more fat every day and have an easier time sticking to your diet without having to pump yourself full of harsh stimulants or potentially harmful chemicals, then you want to head over to www.legionathletics.com and pick up a bottle of Phoenix today. And just to show how much I appreciate my podcast peeps, use the coupon code podcast at checkout and you will save 10% on your entire order. And lastly, you should also know that I have a very simple 100% money back guarantee that works like this. You either love my stuff or you get your money back, period. You don't have to return the products. You don't have to fill out forms. You don't have to jump through any other hoops or go through any other shenanigans. So you really can't lose here. Head over to www.legionathletics.com now, place your order and see for yourself why my supplements have thousands of rave reviews all over the internet. And if for whatever reason, they're just not for you, contact us and we will give you a full refund on the spot.